Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help in drawing near to God through reading God's Word and then applying its truths to our lives. If I can be of assistance to you, feel free to reach out to me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. It is spoken of often among evangelicals. Jesus died on the cross. Hopefully, we do not become too familiar with the thought of it. We always need to speak and think solemnly, reverently of the Lord's sacrifice. Today on Drawing Near, Luke gives a brief account of Jesus' death. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 23 and study. Jesus dies, the veil is torn. And as we begin our study, let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, help us today to reverently and solemnly look at the death of the Lord Jesus Christ in your holy word. I pray, Father, that we would get a sense of the awe of this, of the awfulness of this, and yet of the beauty of your love displayed for us on the cross. Jesus bore our sin. He bore our suffering and our shame. He made it possible for us through faith in him to receive forgiveness, to be resurrected, and to enter into eternal life. Father, we thank you for this marvelous gift of love, mercy, and grace. Guide us in our study today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 44, we are told this about the death of Christ. Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. As we look at these verses, I have a question. When was the last time Jesus slept? Had he gotten up the day before, early in the morning? Had he slept the night before that, or had he prayed all night long? When was the last time Jesus slept? We know that from whenever he woke up the previous day, he'd been up all that day ministering and teaching and talking to his disciples They had celebrated the Passover that evening. They had journeyed from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed and where he was betrayed and arrested. He was taken from place to place through mock trials. He was falsely convicted. Along the way, he was mocked. He was beaten several times. He was ridiculed. He was humiliated. He was scourged. All of this, along with the emotional trauma of praying and sweating great drops of blood, of facing his betrayer and the one who denied him, enduring all of these things. And yet after all of this, after being up at least over 24 hours, he is hung on a cross and he dies. The cross was an excruciating event. It was designed to take a person and torture them a long period of time until they died. Ultimately, they would die or come close to dying of asphyxiation. That's why they nailed Jesus to the cross in his hands and his feet, so that whenever he was out of breath, he would have to raise himself up on those nails to get any air. And so every time Jesus spoke, every time Jesus took air, he had to hoist himself up with his feet and his hands pierced by nails and rise up and get a breath, rise up and say something. Typically, a person would die on the cross after hours and hours and hours of torturous suffering. But because it was Passover, because the Sabbath was the next day, 
they would break the legs of these individuals on the cross to hasten their death, to send them into shock. And we know from other gospel accounts that wasn't necessary for Jesus. He died prior to that. He died when his heart burst in his chest. In this passage of scripture, we're told that from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the earth. Now think about that for a second. We're talking from noon until three. Was there an eclipse? We're not told that. We're told it was dark. We believe it was dark because it's at this point that Jesus bears our sin and God turns his back on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus does say in another account, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The earth, all of nature, responds to the crucifixion of Jesus. That's what's clear in the scripture. So the sun was darkened. That's what we're told in verse 45. And the veil of the temple was torn. In another place, we're told in the New Testament that it was torn from top to bottom. In other words, man didn't reach from the bottom and tear it apart from bottom to top, but rather God tears it from top to bottom. This clearly communicates that now the holiest of holies, the place of God, entrance into God's presence, had been made possible by God himself through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ so that we may boldly come before the throne of God. That's clearly what it says. Where before our sin and our shame and our guilt kept us from doing that, now through faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. We are made righteous. We have his righteousness imputed to us, and we have access to God the Father. That's what we're told. That's what all of this indicates. And as all of this is taking place, it says, and when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, can you imagine the strain? Can you imagine the energy, the effort that this took for Jesus to hoist himself up on those nails and take in a deep breath, and then with a loud voice saying, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That's what he does. And then we're told, having said this, he breathed his last. It's as though he hoists himself up for one more breath. He says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He exhales and he dies. Jesus dies on the cross. Why? He dies in our place. He is our substitutionary atonement. He atones for our sin. He bears our sin and pays for our sin on the cross. He becomes guilty before God so that through faith in Jesus Christ alone, we may become justified before God. That's why he dies. He not only dies, but we're going to see later on, he goes to the grave and he resurrects. He is the first fruit of the resurrection. He has to resurrect. Dying on the cross is insufficient in and of itself. It doesn't produce new life or eternal life apart from the resurrection. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So he breathes his last, and in verse 47 we're told, when the Roman centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God. And he glorifies God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. He acknowledges God. He acknowledges Jesus Christ. He acknowledges his innocence. He is amazed at what he has seen. And he declares, certainly this was a righteous man. Herod couldn't find fault in him. Pilate couldn't find fault in him. The Sanhedrin court couldn't convict him except through his own words. And his words were true. And the Roman centurion he also says he was a righteous man. In verse 48, And the whole crowd who came together to that site 
seeing what had been done, beat their breast and returned. What a change. What a change from the mocking, from the crying out, he saved others, let him save himself. Now they beat their breast and return. There is something in what they see in the darkness of the sun, in Jesus Christ crying out to God. There's something in what they see that causes the Holy Spirit to convince them that this was a horror, a travesty. And so they beat their breasts and they leave. Verse 49 says, but all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee, they stood at a distance watching these things. I can't begin to comprehend what that was like. To see the person that you love, that you see as Savior, as Lord, the one who has healed and taught, who has touched and loved, and to see him so ill-treated, crucified, hung on a tree, accursed by God. They didn't understand why. This is not the end they anticipated, but they stood at a distance and watched these things. We need to draw near to the cross. Near, near. We need to draw near to Jesus Christ through faith and faithfulness. We need to be moved by his sacrifice, by all that he does so that we may be saved, forgiven, accepted by God. And with all of our heart, we need to faithfully serve the Lord Jesus Christ, for he is King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to bow our hearts and our knees before him and bless him and glorify him and honor him. That's what he is due and so much more. For all eternity, we will sing his praises. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for this passage, this brief passage, this passage that doesn't have a lot of information or detail in it, but it has enough. Help us to be moved by these things to be moved to faith and faithfulness, to love and devotion, to holiness. For these things are what we're called to. Father, help us to faithfully share these things with others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City, based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, he will draw near to us.